Patriot Republic stands. I am not a lawyer, a doctor, or a financial advisor. Please verify everything in this episode for yourself. I do not call for or support unconstitutional, illegal acts of or planning for violence. Any hope of restoring the Republic lies in supporting and abiding by the Constitution. Hello, patriots and other interested parties. This is Deep Cover Patriot with The Republic Stands. Today is Friday. June 4th, 2021. Thank you for joining us for the second season of The Republic Stands. A new season with a new format and focus. Last season, we wanted to reflect the national zeitgeist, and it was frenetic. Though it is already June, our day-to-day -day reality is no less fraught with uncertainty. Indeed, it is ever more so as the days go on. However, there is so much misinformation at all levels that to tackle each falsehood individually is too gargantuan a task for one patriot. We have therefore decided to change over to a long-form program. Each week, we will have a few minutes of headlines of immediate importance, followed by one to three topics in depth and with ample time. The total length of our program will be about 45 to 55 minutes. These programs are brought to you for free, with no ads, commercials, corporate sponsors, or other investment outside of the generous support of our listeners. You may become a program sponsor by clicking the support link on our anchor page. And thank you. Newly declassified emails from last year on January 31st, 2020 show scientists emailed Anthony Fauci about COVID-19 origins. One quote is, some of the features look potentially engineered. We find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. This was from an email from scientist Christian G. Anderson to Dr. Fauci on Friday, January 31st, 2020, the subject being science, mining coronavirus genomes for clues to the outbreak's origins. Quote, Hi, Tony. Thanks for sharing. Yes, I saw this earlier today, and both Eddie and myself are actually quoted in it. It's a great article, but the problem is that our phylogenetic analyses aren't able to answer whether the sequences are unusual at individual residues except if they are completely off. On a phylogenetic tree, the virus looks totally normal. And the close clustering with bats suggests that bats serve as the reservoir. Unquote. This section is highlighted. Quote, the unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome, about less than 0.1%. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features potentially look engineered, unquote. The email continues, quote, We have a good team lined up to look very critically at this, so we should know how much more at the end of the weekend. Quote, this next sentence is highlighted. Quote, I should mention 
that after discussions earlier today, Eddie, Bob, Mike, and myself all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory, unquote. And it continues to the last sentence, but we have to look at this much more closely and there are still further analyses to be done so those opinions could still change. Best Christian. On Tuesday, June 1st, Hu Qiqin, the editor of the Chinese state-run newspaper The Global Times, considers enhancing China's nuclear program as being vital to the country's strategic deterrence against the United States. Quote, We must be prepared for an intense showdown between China and the U.S., unquote, who wrote in a Thursday op-ed for the Global Times. Quote, The number of China's nuclear warheads must reach the quantity that makes U.S. elites shiver should they entertain the idea of engaging in a military confrontation with China, unquote. Who advocated for rapidly increasing the number of commissioned nuclear warheads, DF-41s, an intercontinental ballistic missile, and strategic missiles that have long-range capabilities? The editor posted the same comments on Weibo, a Chinese social media platform. Why is it important what he's saying? It is important because in China, absolutely nothing gets published unless it has the imprimatur of approval by the CCP. When it is printed in the Global Times, it is meant to convey a message to the world. And Editor Hu, knowing the consequences of publishing opinion rather than fact, was allowed to publish this. Now, either the narrative continues and the CCP is in bed with the Biden regime and all of this is an illusion to provide an excuse for some kind of war, or having set up the Biden regime and knowing that America is being weakened daily, the Chinese have decided to cut Bribin loose and develop their own onward plans. Either way, they are not going away quietly. Now, this is from IllegalAlienCrimeReport.com. Dateline, White Plains, New York. On Tuesday, Westchester County Judge Susan Pecase sentenced Pablo Dure, 46, to 17 years in prison after he pled guilty in April to first-degree sexual conduct against a child. Dure was arrested in April 2020, three months after the girl's mother discovered that she was pregnant. In August of 2020, the Westchester County District Attorney's Office issued the following statement, quote, The case alleges that on or about and in between December 1, 2017 and November 1, 2019, Pablo Dure, a man in his early 40s, engaged in sexual intercourse on a regular basis with a female child victim when she was between the ages of 10 and 12. The allegations came to light in January 2020, when the victim's mother discovered her 12-year-old child was approximately 33 weeks pregnant. The victim gave birth to a baby, and through DNA analysis, the defendant's paternity of the baby was established. At his sentencing through a Spanish-language interpreter, Dury apologized to his victim, now 13 years old. Judge Cacase also ruled that Dury can have no contact with his child until 2046. Apparently, New York law takes parental rights into account, even when that child is the result of child rape. Of course, New York is a sanctuary state, 
so Dure is in no danger of being deported when he is released from prison. If I were this young lady, I would make every effort to make sure that I was nowhere near my present location because Mr. Duray has absolutely no incentive not to attempt to reestablish contact with either of these two survivors of his abuse. Friends, here we are, June 2021. What can we expect? Who knows? Most likely every prediction made will come true in one way or another. For example, next Friday, the state of Illinois lifts all pandemic mitigation. How many will still be wearing their face diapers? My prediction, all of the people who voted for Zayden and did not experience buyer's remorse will be diapered up and will probably be wearing two at a time. However, the more serious angle is the growing divide between those who have been injected with death and those who have not. Now, I had COVID in December of 2019. I have confirmed that antibodies are still present. I am immune. I do not need to be injected. However, because of the insanity that is now the norm, eventually, and I mean soon, you will have to show proof of vaccination or you will not be able to participate in daily life. That is all. There is nothing more that needs to be appended to that statement. There are too many commentators and pundits out there that start with that and should end with that and instead go on for an interminable amount of time defining every term. This is not rocket science. It's simple. However, those of us with common sense are increasingly being marginalized and God help us. Some days ago, Greg Holt wrote an article entitled Get Ready for a Rough Ride, Severe Shortages, Layoffs, Increasing Prices, Empty Shelves, and Economic Chaos. Now, I know most of us are aware that there are some price increases, but the full scale of our economic downturn is spelled out here, and I really believe you need to hear this. The left would have us believe that the economy is skyrocketing and everything is going gangbusters except that the evidence says otherwise. All over the U.S. there are shortages as well as around the world. If you need a reason, can you say pandemic? It was known back in October of 2020 that the purpose of COVID and all the related nonsense was and is power and control and nothing has changed. Lumber prices have skyrocketed. In my area, a 2x4x8 just recently would have cost you about $4. Now, the same 2x4 costs between 10 and 12 Increased housing demand and the fact that the mills can't keep up are to blame. Many mills shut down during the pandemic. Building a new home? At about $24,000 to the cost because of the lumber. Have you heard about the chip shortage? No, not the chips in your favorite cookies but the chips that seem to power everything these days, namely semiconductor chips. These chips are in cars, farm machinery, computers, tools, your appliances, and even your kids' toys or your toys. Hey, adults have toys too. This chip shortage could last into 2023, and that's not good. 
The effect of the chip shortage on iPhones and the auto manufacturing sectors alone will result in billions of dollars of lost revenue, which means less product and higher prices. Prescription drugs are suffering a severe shortage as well. Over 100 drugs are currently in short supply. Copper, iron, ore, steel, corn, coffee, wheat, soybeans, lumber, semiconductors, plastic, and cardboard for packaging. The world is seemingly low on all of it. You name it, and we have a shortage on it. Tom Linebarger, Chairman and Chief Executive of Engine and Generator Manufacturer Cummins Incorporated, said on a call this month. Trump would not have been able to fix all of this, but Bryben is assuredly making things much worse. Allowing all the illegals in will raise prices of everything and jeopardize our national security. Shutting down pipelines is upping the cost of gas nationwide, and prices are at the highest point since 2014. Insisting on unreliable and problem-plagued wind and solar energy is causing issues and will likely drive energy prices even higher. There's even a shortage on the drivers who deliver gas to gas stations, believe it or not. These drivers require special certifications. Looking to go on vacation or take a short jaunt somewhere? Or how about needing a set of wheels because yours are in the shop? There is even a shortage of rental cars. Remember the storms in Texas that saw windmills and other sources of energy fail? These storms also caused chemical plants to shut down in Texas. So, so what? Well, these shutdowns have caused a global shortage of plastics, and the prices of some of these plastics has doubled. And this affects a lot of industries. Just think of all the ways plastics are used. Plastic is in almost everything we use every day. Say it isn't so. Chicken wings, bacon, and hot dogs, American staples, right, are in short supply. But don't worry about all of this because Bryben and the rest of the geniuses in the Demonrat party have this all figured out for us. Forget about Donald Trump. He's yesterday's news. The Dems have it all in hand. We will likely all get another stimulus check. Number four, because that will fix everything, right? How about monthly stimulus payments until the end of the pandemic? Yes, you read that right. Monthly payments from the government until the pandemic ends. Of course, we all know the pandemic will end when the powers that be say it ends and not before. If this sounds like the beginning of soft socialism, you would be correct. The bigger problem here is that socialism, communism, has never before in the history of the world worked, and it's not going to work now regardless of the form it takes. Today's young socialist advocates, and many others as well, are ignorant of what any form of socialism is, or its nearest and dearest cousins, turn into. And furthermore, do not seem to grasp the fact that the exact thing that they rail so loudly against is that capitalism is exactly what provides them with their cherished iPhones and designer coffees and clothing and everything else. 
The realities of socialism are the Berlin Wall, the Gulag, the killing fields of Cambodia, the Tiananmen Square massacre, and daily breadlines in Moscow for 70 years. Back to monthly stimulus checks. We aren't talking a few hundred bucks here, although that would be bad enough. At a population of 325 million, that's conservative, it's probably more close to 360 million, the cost for, say, 200 bucks a month per person would be $65 billion a month. The proposed plan by Democrats would cost trillions of dollars with nothing added on, you know, like the so-called infrastructure plan. How does a whopping $2,000 a month sound? This was reported from a news source in Philadelphia that shall remain unnamed. They are credited in the show notes. An earlier letter to Sleepy Joe Biden and Peels Up Kamala Harris from 53 representatives led by fundamentalist fascist wannabe Elon Omar of Minnesota staked out a similar position, quote, Recurring direct payments until the economy recovers will help ensure that people can meet their basic needs, provide racially equitable solutions, and shorten the length of the recession. Additional co-signers included New York's Alexandria, occasional Cortex, and Michigan's subhuman Saharan Rashida Tlaib. Two other notable names among House progressives. The letter didn't place a number on the requested stimulus payments, but a tweet soon after put it at $2,000 per month for the length of the pandemic. A majority of Americans also favor recurring relief payments. According to a January poll from the Data for Progress, nearly two-thirds of all voters support $2,000 monthly payments to all Americans for the length of the pandemic. Supporters include a majority of independents and Republicans, a struggling restaurant owner's online petition calling for $2,000 monthly payments for every American adult, has received close to 2.2 million signatures. The Urban Institute estimates that another stimulus payment could reduce poverty by at least 6.4% in 2021. Many economists are also on board. A 2020 open letter from experts in the field argued direct cash payments are an essential tool that will boost economic security, drive consumer spending, hasten the recovery, and promote certainty at all levels of government in the economy for as long as necessary. Folks, I hate to rain on anyone's parade, and we could all use a nice chunk of change, but who is paying for this? Anyone? Here's another thought for you. Since there isn't enough money to pay for all of this, no matter how, maybe the idea is to cause a global financial reset. The U.S. dollar was not always the world's reserve currency. In a global financial reset, the U.S. would likely be absorbed into the one-world government, which is the aim of the demon rats to begin with. First, it's socialism. Then, globalism on steroids. The U.S. is the only country preventing a worldwide government. Trump knew this fact very well and worked to try to prevent this. One of the many reasons he was defeated and cheated out of office. There is no easy fix for the complicated issues that we face as a nation. There is one thing, however, that is sure. 
The leftist paradigm, or narrative, if you will, does not contain the answers to the problems. The leftists simply exacerbate the problems with plenty of help from the rhinos and other assorted idiots. And folks, that's where we're at. That, that's it. And the next topic is going to drive the point home. This narrative includes so many facets that if a diamond cutter in Amsterdam produced a diamond to simulate this narrative, it would look like a dimpled golf ball. On May 28th on False Flag News, Mike Adams published Deep State Planning False Flag Attack in Order to Blame Anti-Vaxxers and Gun Owners. After I published an article calling for Nuremberg-style prosecutions of vaccine researchers who use human children for medical experiments, I received several phone calls. The most relevant call came from someone I did not know and whose number did not appear on my phone. It was sheer chance that I even answered it. This person identified himself as a supporter of my site and said he works for the federal government. What gave him his credibility was the fact that he knew my number and he was able to initiate the call from a source that did not reveal his phone number to me. He said he became aware of my article calling for war crimes tribunals against vaccine researchers and he warned me that this is exactly the kind of article the deep state is hoping to see published because they are planning to carry out a false flag violent attack to blame anti-vaxxers and gun owners. He urged me to take down the article and podcast immediately, which I was actually on the radio in the process of doing because of previous phone calls and previous conversations with other people that I won't get into. Importantly, he explained more. He urged me to take down the article and podcast immediately, which I was actually already in the process of doing because of previous phone calls and previous conversations with other people that I won't get into. Importantly, he explained more. Granted, I don't know this person, so I can't say for sure whether he was a white hat or a black hat pretending to be a white hat. I'll share with you what he said, and you can make up your own mind. First, he said that the false flag operation is perhaps just weeks away. He explained that the ATF, with Chipman to be in charge, will be ready to move against AR-15 rifles, and they need a, quote, big event to achieve that. At the same time, the vaccine industry is desperate to find a way to criminalize and shut down all anti-vaxxer content online since banning it on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube still hasn't been as effective as they hoped. So they figure they can kill two birds with one stone, stage a violent false flag attack of some type, that will depict anti-vaxxers as gun owners pursuing murder and mayhem. With the obedient media ready to push whatever narrative they're handed, this story can be told with tremendous effectiveness, resulting in a nationwide outcry to criminalize and shut down both anti-vaxxer speech and to confiscate all AR-15s nationwide. And if you don't think they'll try this, you have no clue how desperate they are to reach their milestone of 70% vaccine uptake by U.S. adults. That was explained to me as the other key point. That world leaders are being ordered to achieve vaccine milestones in their countries and that these milestones must be achieved by any means necessary. Just today, rumor is that Italy is now pushing a COVID vaccine mandate into law, forcing every citizen of Italy to take the shot. 
And California just rolled out a new statewide vaccine lottery to encourage low IQ people to take the vaccine death shot there. These incentives are all part of the effort to reach their vaccine milestones as early as possible. To say that the Biden regime is declaring war on anti-vaxxers is an understatement. They are waging an all-out assault to threaten, destroy, and disrupt all anti-vax publishers, content, individuals, and organizations such as Children's Health Defense. There is a sense of urgency behind all this, too, since it's only a matter of time before the masses wake up and realize it's the vaccine that's killing so many people. Until that day comes, the vaccine deep state is going to push as aggressively as possible to get down every last person injected with spike protein bioweapons called vaccines. And to achieve this, they have to shut down all the voices promoting vaccine hesitancy, which explains the Facebook algorithm to shadow ban all such comments. In this call, I was told that if I continue to talk about war crimes tribunals, natural news would be completely taken down and removed from the Internet. My guess is that the people involved in gain-of-function research have come to realize they will really face war crimes prosecutions as more truth unfolds, and they are using every tactic possible to threaten those who might remind fellow human beings that running mass medical experiments on humanity is a crime against humanity. And right on time, the New York Times is pushing out tweets that state anyone talking about the COVID lab leak theory is, you guessed it, racist. Folks, the message is clear. Don't you dare look into the origins of COVID because that would lead directly to incriminating evidence against Fauci and his cohorts. It will also expose the truth about the vaccines, since they are using the spike protein particles that serve as the payload for the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. If those spike proteins turn out to be enhanced or engineered, in part through gain-of-function research, which, by the way, they obviously were, then it means Billions of human beings are being injected with genetically engineered bioweapons. Lab theory very quickly morphs into a bioweapons explanation, which then exposes the vaccines as depopulation weapons. Once the truth comes out, it seems there would be global efforts to hold war crimes tribunals to get to the truth about all this. That is, if there are even enough survivors to launch a war crimes tribunal effort. They are trying to mass murder billions of human beings as quickly as possible before any serious backlash can form. What will the world look like after globalists manage to exterminate billions of people? Because, folks, barring an unforeseen accident or otherwise untimely death, those of us in our 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, teens... 60s, 70s, 80s, anybody who is alive between now and, say, a year to two years from now will experience what I'm about to explain. With the human population reduced to just 500 million people, and believe me, it could be a billion, that little 500 million doesn't really matter much. It's give or take. Almost everything that runs the present-day global economy will vanish. 
the world will collapse into tribal warfare, and even the guns and ammo will disappear, plunging the planet back into a swords and bows existence. Initially, as the population dies off from the soft kill, people will desire to stay in their homes and current locations, victims of normalcy syndrome. But it will quickly become obvious that this is not survivable. Food, water, essential goods will all be hoarded. New replacements become unavailable. Law enforcement ends by the government and is replaced by local warlords. Gangs will form for mutual protection. Weak and meek will become prey for the gangs as resources dwindle. It will then become necessary for the population to move closer to food and water resources and to abandon the cities. Those that were able to leave the cities without being enslaved or killed by the gangs will congregate in the farm areas near water sources and form their own local leadership government systems. With the available worker population at such a low level, most workers are needed for production of food and firewood. Without the benefit of electricity, there will not be modern farm machinery, fertilizers, weed killers, harvesters, trucks, or automatic irrigation. A farm worker will only be able to produce enough food for himself and a few others. During harvest time, all able-bodied persons will be needed to gather, clean, can, and preserve the crops for the winter. Sadly, the world isn't yet ready for the truth about vaccines, bioweapons, depopulation, collapse, and crimes against humanity. And to discuss these topics right now only invites extreme threats from the deep state and its compliant media propaganda outlets. Thus, I am reluctantly going to have to hold off on the war crimes topic until the public is ready to hear the truth as the post-vaccine death count explodes due to antibody-dependent enhancement, otherwise known as ADE, or other similar effects. Once vaccinated people start dying en masse, it will become obvious that the only thing they all have in common is the COVID vaccine. But by then, of course, the depopulation agenda will have largely succeeded. Once the masses are killed off by the vaccine, they can't really rise up and demand an investigation, can they? It seems the depopulation pushers have already won. And that's the essence of the global vaccine population plan. Inject billions now before the truth comes out, knowing that by the time people realize what has happened, they're already in the process of dying from the vaccine effects. Since you can't undo a spike protein injection, most of those who took the vaccine are beyond recovery. The global depopulation goal is somewhere around 6 billion people. And according to a recent Gallup poll, there are at least a billion people worldwide who refuse to take the vaccine. That same poll found that a little over two-thirds of people around the world are currently willing to get the vaccine. This means the vaccine is going to have to be forced onto many people in order to reach the 70% global goal. And that's the low end of their global goal. They really want a global population reduction of 90%. Thus, the vaccine push is going through five phases. Phase one, vaccinate the easy people who can't wait to get the shot. Phase two, offer incentives and rewards to convince those on the fence. You know, free donuts, free beer, lottery tickets, etc. Phase three, Punish those who refuse to get vaccinated by taking away their rights. No entry, no travel, etc. Phase 4. 
criminalize vaccine resistors by passing mandatory vaccine laws, and Phase 5, gunpoint medicine, launched door-to-door vaccine squads to forcibly vaccinate people at gunpoint against their will. Folks, we are right now in Phase 3, moving toward Phase 4. And the upshot here is that those of us who have been desperately trying to warn humanity have already done all we can do. Those people who are willing and even happy to have themselves injected with a deadly spike protein bioweapon can't be stopped from doing so, as it's their own brainwashed choice. And parents who allow their children to be used as human guinea pigs in COVID vaccine medical experiments can't be stopped either, as they're clearly insane and beyond reach. Friends, society has lost the will to survive. And the vast majority of the world's population is happily hurling itself into self-destruction. If these people take no action to save themselves, there's really nothing that you and I can do to intervene on their behalf. They've made their choice and they're going to have to live or die with it. Folks, we are living in the end times. This is the end of humanity as we know it. The human species is now fully invested in its own destruction. And the vast majority of individuals are quite thrilled to go along with it. It seems that the rest of us need now to focus on prepping for the global collapse that's sure to follow. We are wasting time trying to save those who have committed to their own destruction. Instead, we should be sharing information about survival, food self-reliance, community strengthening, local communications, and the like. So, that's what I'm going to do as well. I've probably fettered away too much time already on people who prefer to commit vaccine suicide. If they no longer have the willingness to investigate the truth before they inject themselves with unproven risky medical experiments, then what business do we have trying to save them from themselves? I don't think we can stop the global vaccine extermination agenda. The depopulation machine is too powerful, extremely well-funded, and has the backing of government, media, law enforcement, and the corrupt science journals. Anyone who wants to survive the vaccine culling is really going to have to figure it out for themselves. All we can do is work to be among the survivors. As mass death subsumes the globe, there will be survivors who rejected the vaccine death shot, but even those survivors will then have to contend with the far more difficult survival scenario of economic collapse and civilization collapse. Globalists are gunning for mass global depopulation, but they seem to be oblivious to the fact that once they kill off 90% or more of the world population, nobody will be alive to run the nuclear power plants. Eventually, they will fail and go into meltdown, spreading radioactive clouds into the atmosphere to be distributed by winds and weather. Surviving the vaccine is the least of the challenges yet to come, it turns out. As the global depopulation death wave kicks in, we will also have to survive the economic collapse, food collapse, tribal warfare, nuclear accidents, and whatever else is unleashed by the global depopulation agenda. Or 
Perhaps you think this is all science fiction. There's nothing to worry about. It's exciting to get your vaccine shot, isn't it? Tell all your friends and celebrate your newfound freedom. Mock the anti-vaxxers while pretending that life will get back to normal if only everybody is forced to take the same COVID vaccine. Have fun while your life lasts because it won't last much longer if the globalists get their way. You have just been depopulated in the name of saving the planet for the powerful, wealthy families that wish to claim dominion over the earth. Folks, they will for a short time until they too will be brought down by God for their hubris. I rewatched the three-part miniseries Atlas Shrugged last month, and on Wednesday, Adam Mill published an article posted to American Greatness, amgreatness.com, entitled Five Ways Ayn Rand's 1957 Novel Predicted Our Present Condition. Not being one to let synchronicity go to waste, remember there are no such things as coincidences, on a recent trip to Colorado, I fired up the Atlas Shrugged audiobook. As I passed a line of train cars sitting empty and idle, noted the high gas prices, and listened to complaints about gas station supplier shortages. It occurred to me that Rand's 1957 novel made a number of chillingly accurate predictions about our modern woke stopia, i.e., woke dystopia. Like many immigrants who escaped communism, Rand knew firsthand the corrosive effect of politicizing the industries that supply and feed our economy. The central plotline of Atlas Shrugged follows the accelerating political corruption of American corporations. Rand painted a picture of a kind of corporate leftist fascism that feels familiar to us in 2021. Here are some of the predictions that have partially or completely come true. 1. Politicizing industry strangles production. Near the end of the novel, Rand wrote about a fictional, at the time, railroad unification plan, under which the railroads of the country have been unified into a single team, pooling their resources. All of their gross revenue was turned over to the Railroad Pool Board in Washington, which acts as a trustee for the industry as a whole. That is a quote from the book. Something almost exactly like that happened in 1970 when President Nixon signed into law the Rail Passenger Service Act of 1970, which transferred railroad passenger service to the National Railroad Passenger Corporation, now known as Amtrak. The railroads eagerly abandoned all passenger traffic because, for political reasons, government regulators required providers to maintain lightly used lines at unprofitable rates, leading to billions in losses. Amtrak since has operated at a loss as routes continue to be selected based upon political considerations instead of market conditions. Amtrak has performed exactly as Rand predicted, unreliably, inefficiently, and unsafely. Like any other politicized corporation, Amtrak's focus has shifted from its business line to political priorities, such as climate change and diversity. We've also seen education, healthcare, electric utilities, 
and many more industries become so dominated by government intervention as to totally disrupt normal market forces. Rand correctly foresaw that corporations would eagerly comply to gain favor from an all-powerful regulatory state that possessed the power to harass any business into bankruptcy. Two, freedom of speech is an endangered species. According to a recent lawsuit, the government pushed social media to censor politically inconvenient questions about the COVID-19 vaccine. Gone are the days when we believed that good speech overcame bad speech. Rand's novel depicts something similar as the government pressured and blackmailed the main character into making sure her public statements conformed with the mandate to praise its bankrupt policies. 3. Political corruption will sap our ability to get things done. Returning to the example of railroads, the recent collapse of the high-speed rail project in California illustrated Rand's premise. Returning to the example of railroads, the recent collapse of the high-speed rail project in California illustrated Rand's premise. In 2008, the voters of California authorized a $33 billion project to connect Los Angeles and San Francisco with the kind of high-speed rail service utilized by the Japanese or the French. As recently noted by Kevin McCarthy, the California high-speed rail project is one of the most expensive failures in state history and could cost $100 billion, more than three times the $33 billion that was initially estimated. This project, still nowhere near completion, was also expected to begin service in 2020. But that timeline has since come and gone, and now rather than three years behind schedule, which was already inexcusable to California taxpayers that were sold a bill of goods in 2008, it is, once again, off the rails. As a comparison, the Transcontinental Railroad was built in six years, almost completely by hand and over a century and a half ago. All government-led construction projects seem to be taking longer and longer as the projects become increasingly weighted down by myriad lawyers and consultants who don't build anything. Like an animal drained of its life by parasites, the California project simply died under the weight of opportunists cashing in on their political power. Number four, temporary emergencies created by bad policies are never temporary. Rand depicts a vicious cycle of government intervention leading to bigger and bigger problems, which in turn lead to even more calls for government intervention. Economists have noted that the two industries suffering from the most inflation, education and healthcare, also have the most government intervention targeted at making the services affordable. As the Rail Passenger Service Act destroyed the market for private passenger rail service, the 2008 Affordable Care Act, the ACA, otherwise known as Obamacare, wreaked havoc on individual insurance markets. These effects included astronomical increases in health insurance costs that required massive taxpayer subsidies, inadequate coverage for ACA participants, and shortages due to healthcare providers rejecting the oppressive ACA participation regulations. As Rand would have predicted, 
The failure of the ACA generated political demand for even more government intervention in the healthcare market. Indeed, the lack of affordable health insurance helped propel Biden to the presidency in 2020, in spite of the fact that Biden proudly boasts of his role in the original ACA legislation. 5. Everything is illegal. Rand predicted that administrative agencies eventually would seize the power to promulgate laws. She described an agency, the Bureau of Economic Planning and National Resources, that had the power to issue directives with the full force of law. We have only to reflect on 2020 and the many quarantine-related recommendations the government enforced as vigorously as any act passed by Congress. With the stroke of a governor's pen, politically motivated mandates closed churches and canceled concerts, while abortion clinics and liquor stores continued operations as usual. Brand's character, Dr. Ferris, who bears an eerie resemblance to Dr. Fauci, explains the left's fetish for laws. Quote, Did you really think that we want those laws to be observed? We want them broken. We're after power, and we mean it. There's no way to rule innocent men. The only power any government has is the power to crack down on criminals. Well, when there aren't enough criminals, one makes them. One declares so many things to be a crime that it becomes impossible for men to live without breaking laws, just past the kind of laws that can neither be observed, nor enforced, nor objectively interpreted, and you create a nation of lawbreakers, and then you cash in on guilt. For example, in 2018, New York state and local governments collected $1.21 billion in criminal and traffic fines and fees as revenue while its murder rates continue to soar. The Drug Enforcement Administration has made a business of seizing billions of dollars in cash from Americans without bothering to charge them with crimes. Meanwhile, the illegal drug trade in the United States shows no sign of relenting. When the Democrats lost the 2016 presidential election, they immediately launched a multi-front legal assault on the elected president that continues to this day. Even now, a New York prosecutor is working up a dubious criminal case against President Trump based on the idea that it's criminal fraud for Trump to argue for high asset valuation on an insurance or loan application if he is also pressed for a lower valuation on that same property for purposes of his property taxes. We all know that it doesn't matter what Trump did or didn't do. The law will be bent to punish him for taking power away from the demon rats. It's that simple. Rand's vision had flaws. But history has vindicated her dire warnings about politicized corporate government partnerships, oppressing freedom. Central planning of an economy always leads to corruption and efficiency and oppression. The historical examples are abundant and consistent as similar tragedies played out in Europe. Asia, Latin America, and now the United States. Yet even after the spectacular collapse of the Soviet Empire, pernicious socialism has accelerated from creeping incrementalism to a full-on march. Well, friends, thank you for joining me. I hope you come back next Friday when we will have more interesting developments. Until then, remember, 
spend time making new memories with the people you love and care about and tell them how you feel about them. May God bless you, your family and loved ones, and may God bless America and save the Republic. Those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. <laughs>